0: I know your story, I've read it cover to cover, and I know the storms that will come. The waves will swell and the sky will darken, though you'll fight against the current, you'll be swept away. You'll feel helpless and abandoned, and you'll wonder where I am in the midst of it all. I know this isn't the way you thought our relationship would work, but my plans are not for my comfort or yours. My purposes are always and only an expression of love. The scars in my hands are proof that love will sometimes lead you directly into the storm. Though you can't understand my plans, you can trust in one thing that I am entirely good. You can't even imagine how good I am and my plan for you is no different. When you shout asking where I am, know that I am right behind you with my arms wrapped tightly around you, whispering, I will never let go. For you are the pinnacle of my creation and the center of my affection. There will come a day when I will quiet every storm And wipe away every tear. In that day, there will be no more pain or death. But until that day comes, I will be your anchor in this storm.
1: Good morning, Church. Man, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We say this every Sunday, but it's not tongue in cheek. It is absolutely affirmative that you are here today and celebrating our risen Savior one with another. We're encouraging one another on the journey. We're celebrating the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within us and is empowering us to do mighty and great things in the name of our risen Savior. Amen. You and I get to get to get the blessing of following a risen Savior, and in doing so, We get to wrap our hands uh, around something that can never go away, something that will never leave us, and that is the power of Jesus Christ in our life to conquer all things that come our way. Thanks for being here today to encourage one another on the journey and to celebrate our risen Savior together. We also want to say welcome to our guests that are here this morning. Thanks for joining us and being a part of our assembly. And of course, our hope would be is if you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to think about Crosspoint, to join us in telling the story of Jesus Christ, the story of hope that is Jesus Christ. Uh, we've all been blessed with gift sets, and so we use those to His glory uh, along the way, journeying, telling other people who are searching for peace in their life, searching for hope in their life, searching for true love in their life, we want to point them toward Jesus. And collectively, we do that as a church. And so we invite you into telling that story with us. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 this morning as we start a brand new series today uh, called "Sing Jesus. Uh, there are moments in your life I know where you have doubted if God was listening to where you were in life. Is he hearing my prayer? Does he know what I'm struggling with? Does he see the agony that I'm in right now? I'm not sure if God is listening to me in my anguish, in my loneliness, where I'm at in life. Can he really feel what I'm feeling? Well, over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack those stories that remind us that Jesus is with us even in the storm. In the chaotic moments of your life when you think no one else cares, you need to know that Jesus Christ cares for you, that He loves you, that He feels everything that you're feeling, and He is journeying and walking with you. And our story today is going to kind of kick that off for us as we take a look at a couple uh, right after the crucifixion of Jesus. I know, as I've already said, that there are moments in your life when you've doubted. I had one of those moments when I was in kindergarten, believe it or not. I remember back that far, 73, 74, somewhere in there. My mom's here. She reassured me yesterday that was the the moment in time when it happened. Uh, We lived in a little town called Faraday, Louisiana, right on the Mississippi River, small town. Uh, And in kindergarten, I rode the bus to school and from school. I was one of those kids, the oldest one, so I was a rule follower, made sure that I was in in line with what I was supposed to be doing all the time. One of those kids that had the, the bus number, you know, pinned to his clothing so I would know which one to get on, just look down, okay, that's the one, yes, that matches, okay, get on this bus. Every day, the same scenario. I knew what I was supposed to do, except for one particular day. My mom said, hey, me and your grandmother are going to come by school and pick you up after school. We've got something to do. I don't recall what it was, but they were going to pick me up, so don't get on the bus. Trouble. Because after school, I knew what the routine was, I knew what I should do, and so I go out and I stand in the bus line and I'm looking left and right and I don't see any familiar cars, I don't see my mom waving me down, I don't see anything except for the bus that I normally get on. Everyone gets on the bus, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and the bus driver kind of looks at me as he puts his hand on the the door closer and he says, are you getting on? And I thought, I'm not going to spend the night here on this sidewalk you know, a five-year-old has things that go through his mind. I doubted that my mom was going to follow through with what she said she was going to do, and I wasn't about to stay there all night long. Who knows what would have happened to me? So I said, yes, I'm getting on the bus. Got on the bus. I sat down. I looked out the window, and the tears began to flow because I knew what I was supposed to do, but my mom was late, And I wanted to do the right thing. I didn't want to get left behind, but I had doubted that my mom was going to follow through with what she said she would do. And sure enough, she got there late. She followed the bus on the bus route through neighborhoods until it finally stopped where she stopped, got out of her car, onto the bus, and said, hey, come with me. It's going to be okay. So I got off the bus with her. There are moments when you see a picture in front of you, but you're not sure if that's what it should be. You doubt if that's what you're actually seeing. Uh, For instance, uh, the last deer hunt that I went on, 1986, in the fall, my dad had secured some property for us to hunt on in southwest Arkansas. Wrong picture. Thank you. There it is. Yes, Sue has her thumb up. I don't know why, but anyway. So we go on this deer hunt, right, and I borrowed a thirty thirty 30 from someone, and we were in deer stands, and so we crawl up, it's dark thirty. you can't see a thing out there, and I know that I'm supposed to wait, don't shoot until you know exactly what you're shooting at. So we crawl up in the deer stand, it's cold, it's dark, and I'm waiting for the sun to come up. And just those early rays kind of emerge. Everything is in gray tones, you know what I'm talking about. Everything's kind of meshing together, but you can begin to start seeing some things. And I see maybe 50, 60 yards from my deer stand, huge antlers. Oh, this is going to be exciting. I get my gun ready. I'm not going to shoot yet because I can't fully see everything. I'm waiting on that sun to come up, and I'm just waiting and waiting. And finally, the sun rays emerge to illuminate most everything. Color begins to come into the picture. When I realize that I'm looking at a fallen tree and a bunch of roots sticking up in the air. (laughs) Well, that day was unproductive for sure. There are moments when you're looking at something and you think, I'm not seeing the whole picture here, like this picture. Some of you look at this illustration and you see a rabbit. Some of you see a duck. Both are there, but depending on how you look at the picture. You're looking at the whole thing, but you're not taking the entire picture in. As we dig into our text today in Luke chapter 24, it's the same scenario with this married couple on their way back to their hometown where they live in Luke chapter 24, Let's begin reading in verse 13, our text. That same day, what day is this, by the way? Oh, the same day is Resurrection Sunday. So this is the morning that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. This is the morning that all things have been conquered and placed under Jesus Christ. That is the day we're talking about. That same day... Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walk along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, this married couple is headed home, and they're talking about the, the, the weekend events. Man, did you see that Texas game? Wow, that was an incredible game. Did, did you see the pictures of the hurricane damage in Florida? They were going back and forth about all the events that had happened over the weekend they were actually talking about something a little more important. They were talking about what had happened to the guy they were following, Jesus Christ. They were talking about the issues of the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and now here it was, Sunday morning. You see, for centuries, this couple had heard about the stories that had happened over centuries of time. Stories and prophecies about a messiah that would come to earth who would rectify everything who would put everything back in order who would unify everything who would restore and make all things right in the world and this couple, their parents their grandparents, their great grandparents all the way back for centuries would have heard these stories about a man from God a messiah Messiah simply means the anointed one of God, a redeemer. And in their lifetimes, they had been hoping, praying, dreaming, and expecting a Messiah. It had been foretold. It had been hoped for when suddenly on the scene comes a guy by the name of Jesus, from Nazareth and he shows up like no one has ever shown up before he's unlike anyone that they've ever known I mean his teaching and preaching is incredible as he talks about text and scripture it's almost like he had written it himself he talks to the religious elite of the day and really places his authority over them and puts them in their place. They had even been present when Jesus had performed miracles. They had seen a small sack lunch turned into enough to feed 5,000. They had even been present when those that were blind were made to see and those who were lame could finally walk. And yes, even when the dead were raised, they had been convinced of the teaching the authority the energy the emotion of this man named Jesus could this be the messiah could this be the one prophesied for so many centuries the problem is 3 days earlier 3 days earlier this man that they had placed all their hopes in this this man that they had banked on this man that they had pointed to and said, this is the Messiah. Three days ago, the Roman government had taken hold of him because the Jewish community, the elitist of the day, had arrested him in the garden. They had placed him in a mock trial. They had turned him over to Pilate where he was beaten, humiliated as he walked through the streets of Jerusalem, the cross upon his back, and executed on a hill outside of Jerusalem. You see, three days earlier for this couple, all of their hopes were dashed. They were gone. They were saying to one another on their way home, our life is not going to be the way that we thought it was going to be. It's not going to be the way that we had hoped for. It's not the path that we imagined for ourselves. The reality is that many of us here this morning feel their pain. Many of us are also in a season of distraught emotion. That you and I, as we read this story, we feel the emotion in the story. We, we know their pain. We know how hopeless that they may be feeling in this moment. We look at our own life and we think, this, this was not my master plan. This is not what I had decided to do. This is not the direction that I would have gone. I thought things would be different than they are right now. I mean, you went to college and, and you got that degree. You landed the job only to get the phone call that your mom and dad are getting a divorce. No, 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 this, this isn't how I imagined things. I, I thought things were going to be different. I mean, ha, how, when I have them kids, I mean, how, how's the holiday going to work out? How am I going to go to two different homes? What is this going to make my life look like? This is not what I had hoped for. You had dated someone exclusively for some time. You'd invested deeply in that relationship. All your eggs were in one basket. You knew that is the one for me when one day you get the message that the other one in the relationship doesn't think so that they've made a decision to walk away it it didn't work out and so you ask yourself what do i do now who do i trust now how do i move forward from here y- you thought I'm going to be happily married till death do us part, but the parting came first. And now you're asking yourself, how do I function as a single parent? I'm not sure how that looks. You're enjoying this one season of your life when you discover that one of your parents has Alzheimer's and you know it's the right thing to do but you ask how are we going to pay for the treatment that my parent needs you see each and every one of us can can plug into what this couple is feeling in our text the lostness the hopelessness the deflated balloon syndrome i thought things were going to be different we had hoped for something different we wanted it to work out Differently, and as they walked and they talked about the events of the weekend, their hopes were crushed. And then, verse 15 occurs: as they walked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. What a beautiful picture we have in our story! Here you have a couple who firmly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Chosen One, the Messiah. And suddenly, the one person they believe is gone joins them in their walk home. And they begin interacting and dialoguing with him. However, the next verse says, For some reason, that God makes it where they can't recognize who Jesus is. What? Have you ever thought about that one moment in time? Different things come through my mind. Maybe, maybe God realizes that this particular couple, they're going to be foundational for the church in Jerusalem. And Jesus, in the presence of them walking along, but them not recognizing him, God is saying, I need to teach you something about faith. I need you to understand what it means to walk when maybe you can't see fully the whole picture going on. Maybe God has a, a funny side. And he says, oh, you just wait till in a minute. It's going to be great when I pop this on you. Maybe he's more like Colonel Jessup and a few good men. The truth, you can't handle the truth. Well, whatever it was, Jesus was with them. But they did not have their eyes open. Does that ever happen to you in your life? When you can't see the whole picture, yet God continues to work in the mix, the, the answer is right in front of you, but you can't see it. I mean, you see it, but you don't see it. Like maybe you're looking through the toolbox for a certain tool, and you just can't locate it. Your son walks by and reaches in and says, is this it? And you go, yes, that's it. Thank you. If it had been a snake, it had bit me. Or you're at the grocery store and you're looking for one particular item and you're looking up and down all around and the clerk walks by, you ask the question and she says, is this what you're looking for? And you're like, oh yeah, there it is. We've all had those moments before. You see it, but you don't see it. It's right there in front of you. But you can't focus on what you want to focus on. This couple is absolutely devastated. But then Jesus jumps into the conversation in verse 17. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Well, they stopped, short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that has happened there the past few days. Now, if you don't think that's funny, I I don't know. They just stop at Jesus' question. What are you talking about? And Cleopas says, dude, where have you been? Have you not heard what's going on? Now, I can only imagine Jesus in that moment. I know you've had this happen to you before, where you buy a gift maybe for your child or a grandchild or a good friend, and it's something that they've always wanted. It's wrapped at Christmas. And you're waiting in the wings for them to open that gift because you know what's going to happen. They are going to go ballistic. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have to imagine that Jesus in this moment is much the same way. Trying to contain himself. Oh, just you wait till you figure out who you're actually talking to. You can see Jesus with that smile inside. Even though just three days ago he had been in the upper room with his disciples and broke bread, as Layton mentioned in our communion thoughts. As he was rested out in the garden and as they prayed late that night as he went through multiple trials for his life. When he was finally handed over to the Roman government who beat him within an inch of his life and forced him to walk through the streets of Jerusalem carrying his instrument of execution out to the hill called Golgotha where he was lifted between heaven and earth and executed. Because Jesus, in his attitude and spirit, is always not my will but your will, God. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever, whatever's necessary to get your creation back into relationship with you, I'm willing to do just that. And he's looking at this couple, and he says, you don't see me yet, but the truth is here. And they are like many of us. We are hurting and demoralized and worried and anxious, sad, alone, and afraid. When the truth is right in front of us is truth. Jesus is in front of us, walking with us. Us. And so Jesus continues the conversation, verse 19. Jesus asked, what things? Well, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped He was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. What things? You see, we had hoped He was going to be the difference maker. We had hoped He would make all things right. We had placed everything on Him. We had hoped That he would be our rescuer, our redeemer. And some of you are in a season of we had hoped. You woke up one morning to realize that your life is not exactly how you thought it would be, how it would turn out to be. You simply wanted to have children. For whatever reason, you can't conceive. You thought you'd be celebrating an anniversary and you're simply fighting over the sofa and the chair. You hoped to be enjoying life right now, but the truth is you're fighting tooth and nail against cancer in your life. We had hoped things would be different. Eight years ago, Robin and I noticed Tanner, our oldest son, was in a depression. He was kind of in a funk. Uh, And I talked to him and studied with him and prayed with him, and we hung out together and played video games together. All those things a dad does to try to make it better. And that went on for about a year, and then about seven years ago, one evening, We were sitting downstairs watching TV in our Kansas City home. Tanner came downstairs, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, Mom, Dad, can I talk to you? And we said, absolutely, whatever parent wants to hear. And Tanner sat down with us, and he revealed to us in the 10th grade that he was same-sex attracted. We talked through that scenario, and we... Loved on him and talked with him. But you know the next day as a parent my, my mind was, was going. We're going to get this. We're going to fix this. We went to family counseling and we prayed together more. We studied together more. I talked to mentors of mine who loved me and cared for me. But life doesn't always turn out as we hoped. And as we thought through the process of where we found ourselves, not the choice maybe that we would have have made, we begin to think, okay, I I could be like the kind of person that says, you know what, why don't you stay over there and you figure your, your life out and when you get it all right, you can come back into my home. But that doesn't sound a lot like Jesus, does it? And as a parent, parents we made a decision that we're going to love our son. We're going to walk with him and journey with him, even though maybe that's not what we had hoped for. So church, we we ask for your prayers for strength and encouragement because next month, our oldest son is going to marry his partner. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what that life looks like. But we do know that Jesus has called us to love we want to be like Jesus. He, he knows that we don't agree with his decision. But we want to walk with him and love like Jesus. Because sometimes life doesn't turn out like you hoped. Sometimes you have to look closely at the picture to see that in fact Jesus is still walking with you in the chaos, in the moments. And that's where our couple is in chapter 24 of Luke. There's a powerful Savior present that they cannot see. And they go on to say in verse 22, then some of our women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus was alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. They continued to reaffirm all the things that Jesus already knows. The guy that had a front row seat to the entire show. But sometimes it's hard to see God in the present. But when we look in life's rearview mirror, what we discover is that Jesus is with us in every single moment. He's with us in our despair, in our loneliness, in our crisis, in our loss, in our sadness. And in verse 25, Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, explaining from the Scriptures all the things concerning himself. But by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. It's getting dark. There's no need to travel on your own. We've enjoyed your company. Why don't you come stay with us? Matter of fact, have dinner with us. Verse 30, an incredible moment happens. As they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Upper room, only three days earlier. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Wow. In the breaking of the bread, that's when we fully recognize all that Jesus is to us. He is our redeemer, our savior, the person who carries our burdens on his back. The person who wants to make things right in your world. And can you imagine this married couple as, as they recognize Jesus and then he disappears? They begin to scream at one another. Oh my goodness, can you believe? He was here with us. It's true what the women said. It's true what the guy said. Jesus is alive. He was here with us. He ate with us. What an incredible moment. I mean, as we walked along the road, don't you remember? The hair stood up on our arms from the stories he told us. And then I told, can you believe I said, dude, where have you been? He had front row seats. I mean, they went back and forth on this wow, the King of Kings lives. He is alive. And He walks with us in our moments when we desperately need Him by our side. He lifts our spirits. Maybe you have seen Him in the present. Maybe looking backward in your life, you have seen Him revealed, and in doing so, He's also revealed in your present. Church, have confidence. Have confidence that you have a God that loves you. And even when things don't go as you'd hoped for, He loves you. Even when things don't turn out like you had hoped, even in your anguish, even your lostness, your loneliness. Even when people in your life that you love desperately make a decision to do something different than you had hoped, he's still there. He still walks with you. He loves you. I'm going to invite the praise team back to the stage right now. And, church, my hope is that in your life, if you have chaos going on right now. If you have moments in your life where you're wondering, does God hear you? I want you to hear from this story a resounding yes. He hears you. He journeys with you. He hears your prayer. He wants to be your Savior. And the only way that you and I are going to have peace in our life, no matter what this world brings, is that if we fully commit to being His disciple. If we fully commit to saying, You are my Lord, you are my King, and nothing will ever change that. He loves you. And this morning he wants to know, Do you love him? Let's stand and sing together.